We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. No oh boy, I'm Kyle Madsen. I write about the 49ers over at NinersWire.com, part of the USA Today Sports Media Group. Joining me right now, Chris Biederman of the Sacramento Bee. And before we dive into this ugly 49ers loss to the Rams, we have to talk about our friends over at Lamb Chops. SGLambChops.com is a website. You can follow them on Instagram at SGLambChops. It is our favorite clothing brand, Chris Rock and a Lamb Chops shirt right now. And you can get yours today at SGLambChops.com. Promo code Candlestick20 for 20% off your order. Hoodies, t-shirts, shorts, whatever you want. They got something. And it's going to look dope, Chris, which is obviously important. The the most important thing, one would argue. <laughs> SGLambChops.com. Follow them on Instagram at SGLambChops. Promo code Candlestick20 for 20% off your order today. We are also sponsored by Cooperage Brewing. Shout out to the homies at Cooperage. Cooperagebrewing.com is the website. At that website, you can order any of their delicious beers in a case. And if you're 21 or over and in California, they will ship a case of it directly to your door, including, Chris, the Candlestick Chronicles Hazy IPA. It's delicious. It's delicious. It's awesome. They they just keep racking up awards. Um, they have the You're Gonna Get Wet Hazy 4-pack. Always good. Wookiee of the delicious. Year. Always good. Um, so whether or not... You know, if you love your hazies, then go for the Candlestick Chronicles. Hazy, of course. But if you are a connoisseur of many different types of beer, they have everything you could possibly want at Cooper's. So check them out, cooperagebrewing.com. All right, let's dive into whatever the hell just happened in Cleveland. Here we go. <laughs> Blue wire. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. time chris the 49ers lost they fell to the browns 19 to 17 in an ugly ugly affair where do we want to start i don't have i don't have a lot of like good things to say yeah i mean so, so I'll, look i'll wrap with a couple of i'll have a couple of good things but you want to start with jake moody you want to start with brock purdy you want to start with the offensive line where are we at i kind of want to start big picture look the 49ers clearly got outplayed yes um, they were the worst and and this was this but what also can happen in the NFL is 
the better team can lose games through a series of circumstances, right? And this isn't mm-hmm. to make an excuse, but when you get outplayed, you shrink your margin for error to allow other circumstances to happen, right? Like mm-hmm. if you play well, but you lose Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel, uh, and you're as good as the 49ers are, then you still probably win that game. But when you're not playing well, and then you lose those guys, it becomes exponentially more difficult. And all that being said, they lost a game in which uh, they had a chance to win it at the end with a game-winning field goal that Jake Moody missed. Um, mm-hmm. He missed another one. I think it was 57 yards in the first quarter. 54, 54 yards in the first quarter. Yeah. It w- had plenty of leg, um, but he missed that one. So you you basically have six points taken off the board and a two-point loss from your kicker there. Uh, you had some questionable calls by the refereeing late. I personally didn't have a huge problem with the uh, Tayshawn Gibson hit. I think in real time, it absolutely looked like a foul. And anybody forced to make that call in real time without the benefit of replay is going to make that is is going to make that call. No, doubt. but I mean, that's that's absolutely the the case. That it was it was the wrong call, but it's really you can only tell it was the wrong call by replay. So like I want to give the referees a little bit sure. of the benefit of the doubt because otherwise the referees I thought were fucking awful throughout the entire game. It was really like, bad. Like, even even on calls I, they got right, it took forever to get really simple things right. Yeah, it took forever to get really simple things right. I thought they really screwed up the uh the play that they ruled an incomplete pass right before halftime that would have given the 49ers the ball it appeared to be a fumble um even if it was ruled a pass i didn't see any replay where it looked like a forward pass it looked like a backwards pass which is a live ball which the 49ers fell on which is a phone so there are two different arguments for that to be a fumble and yet somehow it ended up being a complete a uh, an incomplete pass that didn't hurt the browns and again, if the 49ers are able to kick a field goal and if Jake Moody's able to actually convert one, <laughs> then then they they win that game. So yeah, it seems really bad. It's obviously a really frustrating loss because it could have gone right in so many different little moments there. Mm-hmm. Um but but to me it it came down to the Niners just getting whooped up front. I thought the offensive That's line it. just got crushed by by the by the Browns defensive line. And I didn't think Kyle Shanahan did a great job of adjusting. It felt like everything they were trying to do was a long developing play. And I, I'm curious when I go back to rewatch if if that take still still holds up because it felt mm-hmm. like the perfect type of type of game for a quick passing game, right? But it was like Can every time the Niners ran play action, there was a there was a free rusher coming on a blitz yep. and it completely disrupted things. So I didn't think it was Kyle Shanahan's best game by any stretch. Um, I thought there were way too many penalties. Yeah. I thought the referees were bad and the 49ers were certainly on the wrong side of some tough calls. Um, but ultimately they deserve to lose because they were not the better team. Yeah. That, 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 what you just said there at the end is, is kind of the bottom line. Offensively. I, I agree with what you're saying. It looked a lot like an offensive game plan that was supposed to be heavy Debo Samuel. Yeah. And then Debo Samuel goes out on the, after the first or second series. And turns out we learned today, Ray Ray McLeod, not Debo Samuel turn who knew. So I, I think <laughs> that it reminded me of one of a, remember in 2018 when they signed Jarek McKinnon and they were going to base their whole offense around him. And then he got hurt a week before the start of the season mm-hmm. and their offense looked terrible early in the year, even before Jimmy Garoppolo got hurt. And it was, you, you chalked it up to, well, they, they had, 
planned around Jarek McKinnon being kind of the offensive focal point, and then they lost him six days before the season started. They thought Jarek and, McKinnon would be uh, some version of what Christian McCaffrey is right, right. now. Right, and so they had to make it. To, that's what this game felt like to me. Mm-hmm. Was hey, they were anticipating a lot of Debo jet motion, uh, a lot of Debo catch and run screens, being able to use him out of the backfield, and then they lose him, and they don't really have a player that can do that. And then Christian McCaffrey gets hurt, and when you're down Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel in a game where <laughs> your quick passing game needs to be on point because the defensive line for Cleveland was so good. I don't it, you're going to kind of get the the performance that that you got. I do want to say though that as complimentary as we've been of of Brock Purdy, he was not good. And did it have to do with losing some weapons? Yeah. Did it have to do with the the offensive line not holding up or or doing a great job against against the Browns defensive line? Totally. But there were also open throws to be had that he missed. Yeah. And whether it was because of the rain, whether it was because he was skittish because of the pass rush, it was the first time we've seen him get visibly shook in a game where he's seeing ghosts. He's he's throwing the ball early because he's anticipating a rush being around him even when there wasn't. So I just this was the first this was the first time I'd, I'd watched Brock Purdy in a game and been like, oh, he's he's really bad for four quarters. Yeah, and he still I mean, had him in position to win at the end. Uh, yeah, and he, that's that's what I would say too. Like he still he's despite how bad it was, he still had the team in position to win at the end. Um, but yeah, like the ball slipping out of his hands, uh, you know when when it got wet, wet and rainy. Like I thought mm-hmm. that was obviously problematic. And George Kittle actually joked about it after the game last week that like he was asked some question about Brock Purdy's. Um, you know, detractors or whatever. And, and he, he even mentioned that Brock Purdy has small hands and I hadn't even thought about Brock Purdy's hand size, but <laughs> maybe, you know, like, but that, I think it was pretty clear when, when things got wet, that it, it got problematic for Brock and, and yeah. And look, Brock Purdy was not going to go undefeated as a starter. Like he was yeah. going to have bad games. Um, it wasn't going to look pretty all the time. And when people talk about circumstances, I think they're right to point out that the circumstances have been mostly perfect for him since yep. he took over the starting role last year. I don't view that as a as a reason to detract from Brock Purdy, the fact that he's had good circumstances, but he still had the team in position to win despite all those circumstances seemingly going against him. Or, you know, at least when it came to the injuries and the official, the, the the refereeing and all that stuff. So, like, was it a bad Brock Purdy game? Absolutely. He was 12 of 27 for 125 yards. The, the numbers mm-hmm. in the second half were horrendous. The second half possessions went interception, punt, 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 touchdown, punt, missed field goal. Um, yeah. And the, the, the touchdown came on a, on a run. It was one possession or one play on the possession. Jordan Mason goes in and scores. Yep. Um, so, look, to me, like, you that that's that's one of the things that I think makes the NFL unique in comparison to at least like college football and you have a 17 game schedule and you know this is why it's really hard to go undefeated in the league right like it never happens that teams go undefeated sometimes these losses pop up and sometimes you're not the better team than your opponent on a Sunday but it doesn't mean that you're still not one of the best teams in the NFL now we will see what happens with Christian McCaffrey's oblique slash rib injury, which Kyle Shanahan mm-hmm. termed it. They're not going to know until obviously they have MRIs when they get back to the Bay Area Sunday night or Monday morning. Um, Debo Samuel's shoulder injury could be pretty problematic. Um, I didn't I didn't see when he got hurt uh, in Cleveland on Sunday, but 
you know, I see hearing shoulder injury. It made me think of, of some of the collisions that he took um, the previous game against Dallas and particularly that one again at, uh, at the goal line. Mm-hmm. seemed like he just took, he went shoulder to shoulder with a guy and that was like a real intense collision there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, Debo takes a lot of hits to the shoulders. So, uh, you know, that that could be. Um, we don't know. I don't want to speculate, but you know, that so, could, that could be bad if he has to miss a prolonged amount of time. But the point I've made over and over again, is that a reason why you get Christian McCaffrey is so you can absorb injuries, but now you're looking at a possible scenario mm-hmm. where you're missing two guys. Right. Uh, Jordan Schultz from, um, Twitter <laughs> reported that Debo Samuel's x-rays came back negative on his shoulders. So he'll get an MRI tomorrow. Uh, according to Schultz, he's told the team believes that Debo will be fine, quote unquote. So there's that. And then Matt Mayoko, friend of the pod. (laughs) What? (laughs) The team thinks he'll be fine. Uh, Okay. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Okay, good. (laughs) He's not, he's he's not not dead. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and then Matt Mayoko reported that Trent Waves is in an orthopedic walking boot. I don't. I'm not going to do the injury speculation thing, but that's obviously not a good sign. And he and was that was another thing. not right. Trent Williams was not very good today. Yeah, I don't think. I mean, he yeah, he I was think. at least by the bar that Trent Williams has set for himself. And I think it definitely could be a product of you know twisting your ankle. I, I think any offensive tackle in the league going against Miles Garrett would struggle, let mm-hmm. alone on a bum ankle. So yeah, I I, I didn't think Trent Williams was very good. And then there was that play. It was a screen in the in the second quarter. They showed it where Miles Garrett just throws Trent Williams to the side. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I've never seen that before. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was yeah, that was a right. wild, wild thing to, to see happen. So um, I think that was before even Trent Williams got rolled up on. And, and his ankle seemed a little bit problematic. So, yeah, yeah, that that'll be certainly worth keeping an eye on. And again, like. It's true about the 49ers as it's true about any other team. You can only withstand so many injuries before things start getting a lot tougher. Um, and the 49ers, until this game, had had basically sterling health with the exception of Brandon Ayuk yep. missing one game that Thursday nighter against the Giants with that shoulder injury. But other than that, they've had all their starters um, for every game this year. And now they've, they've you know, today in Cleveland, they they had three of their best players on offense get hurt. And no surprise that their offense had their worst performance of the season. Yeah, there's not, uh, there's not, like I said, not a lot of good to take out of this one. There's so much bad. The good you can take out of it uh, is that they still had a shot to win. Yeah, yeah. That's the only Seattle positive lost. for me. So the Niners are still <laughs> at the top of the division. Can we have the Jake Moody conversation? Yeah, give me one second. I'm trying to find something good. Oh, Jordan Mason. Five carries, 27 yards. He had a touchdown. Interestingly, the first back off the bench with Elijah Mitchell healthy. And yeah, I, I think, think that, that he's sense. probably earned that. Yeah. So I think that's probably the right call there. And then Brandon Ayuk, he had four catches for 76 yards. He was way better than four catches today. He was open a lot. He had that he had big, the one drop. big drop. He did. The big drop he... in the first half, I think, would have changed the game. Yeah, no, I totally agree. But he was also wide open a few other times. That was a really good throw by Brock. Brock Brock Purdy made a really good throw on that pass that uh, Ayuk dropped. He did a really – this is – shout out to JTL Sullivan, quarterback school. He did this thing that JTL Sullivan talks about all the time is buying yourself 
a half second by just taking an extra step back in your drop. And that's a pretty did there and let it go and, and made a really, really nice throw on a deep ball. And I just couldn't come up with it. Hey, it's Kyle Madsen with Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. And I'm here to talk to you about my new favorite thing about football season. And that's prize picks. It's Daily Fantasy Sports, the largest independently owned daily fantasy sports platform in North America. It's easy, exciting. And that's my two favorite things to have in daily fantasy football. It's There's quick withdrawals. It's easy gameplay. There's so many selections of players and stat types that make prize picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. And I know you're probably worried about like daily fantasy sports. Oh, there's pros and there's sharks and there's all these people that dedicate their lives to just winning a daily fantasy. Well, no, no, no. This is just you. You pick more than or less than on two to six players to create an entry. And those two to six players, you pick more than or less than on their stat projections. And then you watch the winnings roll in. It is so easy, and PrizePix offers weekly promotions that can lead to big payouts. There's like Taco Tuesday, where every Tuesday, PrizePix discounts select player projections up to 25%. That gives you even more value. And my very favorite part of all of this, PrizePix offers Apple Pay for quick and easy deposits into your account this football season. So go to prizepix.com slash candlestick and use code candlestick for a first deposit match up to $100. Go to prizepicks.com slash candlestick and use code candlestick for a first deposit match up to $100. You can jump in and get Brandon Ayuk, Christian McCaffrey, Brock Purdy, George Kittle. Slam the more than and root like heck for those guys to go more than those projections. It's, I'm telling you, it's the very best way to consume football. So prizepicks.com slash candlestick and use code candlestick for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Yeah. All right. Let's have the Jake Moody conversation. Yeah. So I think I'm, do- I think I'm done until I get to rewatch and <laughs> take some of it in. <laughs> um, yeah. You are not from the home studio today. So uh, we, we will go shorter. Than well, how could probably. you tell? <laughs> we would probably go shorter than than we normally would on this, but <clears throat> my whole point when they they drafted Moody and talking about the pick and the investment, all he needs to do is be good. All he needs to do is just be the guy that's not costing your team wins, right? Like otherwise, I'm I am fine with the investment in a kicker if this dude is not going to miss big kicks, and like. The problem with drafting a kicker in the third round is all of a sudden the margin for error on like perception and the pressure that he feels it like has to be different. Like it, I, I don't care what you say or what your mindset is or, you know, how how strong of a personality you are and how much intestinal fortitude you have. There just is more pressure on a kicker who's drafted in the third round. And yep. I'm not blaming the 49ers for putting pressure on on Moody. But that's a kick he absolutely has to make, and the the kick is or the pick is justifiable if he's just solid. If you feel good right. about him, if you have right. confidence in him going out to make a game winning kick, and yep. now the 49ers just set, simply cannot feel all that great about having to send him out for a game winning kick. I don't know how you can just point blank. And wasn't this this is this is my issue with it their whole justification for it was he's made of the right stuff. We've put him through all these situations and he's always come up big. And you talk to anybody who I have a bunch of friends who went to Michigan. Rich Eisen is on TV talking about it. They're like, this guy's nails. He's the man. He never misses. He's always clutch. He's this and that. And like, okay, that's great. 
because Kyle Shanahan used that draft pick because he didn't want to worry about kicker. He wanted a good kicker who he could send out to hit a 41-yarder at the in the middle of the field, by the way, not even on one of the hashes. In the middle of the field, 41-yarder for the win. You feel good about it. And now you can't. And yeah. it, that, that's a, that, that becomes, and again, it's his first chance at a game-winning kick. But you don't feel great about the pick right now. No, and that's not to say and that's not to say that whoever they drafted at 99 would have helped them win today. I don't I don't know. But when you draft a kicker in the top 100 in a year where you only have two top 100 picks, that guy needs to be really good. And the Niners were bad top to bottom today, but in a two-point game where your kicker misses two kicks including a potential game winner at the end, I think the kicker costs you there. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. And I I one thing I would be curious to see about going forward is does it change Kyle Shanahan's mindset at the end of half situations when he's mm-hmm. driving, right? Like, or end of game situations specifically. Is he going to be more aggressive and be like, no, we cannot, we can't be in 40 to 50 yard field goal range. Like we need to get down mm-hmm. to like 30. Right. And yeah. how much does that change? And the other thing too is like, one of the talking points when they took him was like, oh, he's he's kicked in the Midwest. He's used to cold weather. Mm-hmm. He's used to inclement mm-hmm. weather. Um, he's from Michigan. But, or I don't know where he's from, but he's kicked at <laughs> Michigan. Yeah. Like, this was, this was why they drafted him. It's like bad weather in Cleveland, natural grass surface, probably a little mucked up, right, wet, and he just pushed it. You yep. know, he had one that he pulled and one that he pushed, so he had the two-way miss going. Tough. Which is, I think he had the two-way miss in the preseason game that yeah, that he missed a couple miss, he missed a couple kicks too. So yeah, I think it was the Raiders game, the opener. So they're not going to cut him. They're not going to like move on. And but like no. this isn't a great start. And you know, like that was the thing with Robbie Gold was you always trusted Robbie Gold to make kicks. Yep. Like like clutch kicks. Robbie Gold never missed in the playoffs. And that's the thing. That's what Jake Moody's replacing. He's replacing a kicker who never missed in the playoffs. Now we should also point out that Robbie Gold is a free agent. <laughs> <laughs> just, <clears throat> just he's just probably com- probably completely incapable of handling kickoffs. And you know, Mitch Wisnowski hasn't been very good at kickoffs. But man, Mitch yeah. Wisnowski, I mean, just an incredible season for the punter so far. He's crushing it. He's doing such a great job. He's, now, a couple a couple other things real that's quick. That's not sarcasm either. He's like legitimately you know, he's, been a really, really good punter. He's been awesome. The a couple other things. One, I thought the Niners' defense missed Drake Greenlaw a lot. Not Great that their point. defense yeah. was bad today, but I thought that there was never an adjustment to Cleveland's screen game at all. It felt like every screen they ran until the last drive of the game worked, and the Niners got lucky a couple times with with uh, penalties, calling back big gains on screens. And there just never felt like it felt like the Browns were getting whatever they wanted in the run game. They were doing a lot of stuff creatively with motion and stuff. And the Niners just never really had a clue. And I think part of that was missing Dre Greenlaw's athleticism in the second level. And Oren Burks is a good athlete. And I thought Oren Burks was, was mostly fine. But Greenlaw is going to go hit somebody. He's going to set a tone. We talked about it with the, the Cowboys game. With him laying the wood to Tony Pollard, and then I think it was Rico Dowdle a little bit later in the game, just setting that tone, and nobody really did that today. It was like they got that interception on the Browns' first drive with Warner stepping in front of the receiver, and they went, "Okay, like that's how this game's gonna go. Let's take the day off." 
and I thought they got pushed around a little bit. Like I said, not that the defense is bad, but when they needed a player to kind of step up and 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 reset the tone, I think Greenlaw would have, and, and they missed him. <clears throat> they definitely missed him. Um, 160 yards on 34 carries. It's 4.7 yards per carry. The last time the Niners Jeez. allowed, last time the Niners allowed uh, 160 plus yards on the ground was that loss to Atlanta last year, October 16th, oh, almost yeah. to the day, week six last year. Wow. Um, and I thought ultimately this game, like a lot of it was lost on first and second down mm-hmm. because the Browns were so good. Like, first of all, real quick, just on the run defense, Niners run defense, they allowed 160 yards today. Week one at Pittsburgh, 41. Week two against the Rams, 89. Week three against the Giants, 29. Week four against Arizona, 105. Last week against the Cowboys, 57. So this was wow. like unequivocally their worst run defense performance in like quite a quite a long time you could even go back to the nfc championship game last year yeah but that game obviously is a little bit different um but i thought on both sides of the ball first and second down were hugely problematic for the 49ers because there would be a run play that went for a loss or or a penalty and then they it felt like they were playing behind the sticks for the entirety of the game and that's that's been one on the offensive side, that's been one thing about Kyle Shanahan's offense that you always felt good about was, you know, there's when Kyle Shanahan's offense is humming, and I guess this mm-hmm. is probably true of any offense, but, like, they're not even having a lot of third downs. They're being super successful on right. first and second down, and it felt like every single drive today, particularly in the second half, they were well behind the chains and everything was an obvious passing situation, and that's yeah. when you face a team with a pass rush like Cleveland's, that's when it's going to be super problematic for you. They showed this stat. They showed this stat on the TV broadcast. It was late in the third quarter. The 49ers' average length to go on third down was 12.9 yards. That's insane. That's impossible. It's impossible to win. Wild. When that's the case. Yeah. Um, They just, and and on the other side, it felt like Cleveland constantly had like second and four, third and two. Exactly. It was just constant like i said and they and the niners still had a, a chance to win but i also don't think cleveland is very good and it was pj walker at quarterback and he threw two interceptions and the way the, the niners browns... won the turnover battle and lost First yeah and the way the way the brown screen game worked made it seem like they were doing a lot of things the 49ers just weren't prepared for correct like yep. it was there's always an element when a backup quarterback is in where that very first game they have an advantage because they can do yeah. a whole bunch of things that aren't on tape Right. Um, and I thought the Browns took advantage of that with with their screen game in particular today. Mm-hmm. I thought they had they did a they did a nice job and the 49ers didn't really have many answers for the screen game. Nope. And it never really got to the point where, you know, the Niners felt like they could adjust. I mean, maybe late in the game when it was, you know, when when Walker had to like drop back and do the more traditional passing game stuff. Mm-hmm. But like it just felt like the Browns were able to keep the 49ers offense off balance for the entire time. And a big reason was because they could get four or five, six yards, basically anytime Mm -hmm. they wanted on the ground. And it was really surprising. And yeah, I would absolutely throw Dre Greenlaw into that conversation because missing him is, is a big deal. Um, But yeah, I thought, I mean, as bad as it was, they, they still had a chance to win. So Wild. It's it's kinda, very so, much so, not a sky is falling type loss for me. No, but like no, a couple the injuries are problematic. Obviously, going forward, and the confidence in the kicker is is 
I mean, that's yeah, something and... to keep an eye on because if the Niners are going to be, the Niners are just going to be in tight games. That's just like, that's mm-hmm. just how the playoffs are going to go. That's how, the, you know, some of their best games in the regular season are going to go. Like, mm-hmm. can you trust Jake Moody to, to make a kick? And you've had one opportunity to see him do it and he, he hasn't done it. So. I have two other kind of big picture things that I think matter from this one. Cause I'm with you. It's not, Oh, I have one I... more actually too. Okay. So one <laughs> is how's the offensive line going to look when they yeah. go against like Philly, that was those defensive lines yeah. really good. And the Niners offensive line was, was abominable today. It was really, really bad. And if they're going to win the NFC, they're going to have to go through a defense just like the one they saw today. So yeah. that's, that's something that's got to change moving forward. If the 49ers make, if you told me the Niners are going to make some big splash trade, I think it's on the offensive line. I don't think it's a pass rusher. I don't think it's a corner. I think it's if there's a quality offensive lineman available, I think they'd be willing to overpay to replace either Spencer Burford or Colton McKivitz. They were they were really bad, especially especially if Trent Williams is going to miss some amount of time, where they have to put Jalen Moore at left tackle, and then you're just. Uh, that's not sustainable as having three offensive linemen who you don't trust. The, I just, the I just second... Googled, I just Googled Quentin Nelson's contract just to like, see, cause I forgot <laughs> what it was. I knew he signed a big deal, but I was like, Oh, yeah. maybe if the Colts fall out of it, they'll be like, yeah, we don't need to be paying this guard all this money. Do you know what Quentin Nelson's contract is off the top of your head? No. What is it? <laughs> is it five and 80? Four and 80. Oh my God. <laughs> Nelson's making $20 million <laughs> a year to play guard. I was like, oh yeah, oh, put hit, throw hit, throw Quentin Nelson at right guard, and you'd be you'd be cooking with real gas. But uh, is yeah, he still good? I thought he was bad now. I don't know if he's bad now, but I mean, I was just you know, I feel like he'd be an upgrade over Spencer. He Burford. would, de- he definitely would, but not for twenty million dollars. I'm out. Yeah. the The second one for me was the play calling from Kyle Shanahan, and maybe this was just a matter of the Browns' defensive line just going to work, but had Jimmy Garoppolo had a game like Brock Purdy had or had a first half like Brock Purdy had, I think you would have seen the Niners try to get super creative in the run game in the second half. And they just kept throwing. And it wasn't there wasn't super successful. I think Purdy only threw it what twenty two times. But the fa- or twenty seven times. But the fact that Shanahan continued calling pass plays despite the fact that Purdy was erratic and, and not good just kind of instills how much trust Kyle Shanahan has in Brock Purdy, even when he's not playing well. Because when Jimmy Garoppolo wasn't playing well, it was pack it in. <laughs> yeah. And, and that that wasn't the case today for the for the offense. That would have been a very, very ugly Jimmy Garoppolo game. Yeah. Um it was a pretty ugly Brock Purdy game, but it would have been an extremely ugly Jimmy Garoppolo game, in my yeah. opinion. Um, he missed so many throws so badly. It was, yeah, it was, I mean, it was it was odd to see Brock miss miss that many throws. Um, mm-hmm. and, but it, it is fitting. Like we have a, a whole podcast about like the MVP conversation, and he's done. It's done. Matt, it's over now. Matt Mayoko comes on the <laughs> pod and says the Niners wouldn't trade Brock Purdy for Pat Mahomes straight up, with obviously the uh, you know the contract playing a huge part in that conversation. Sure. But um, yeah, I these these games happen. You know, and and that that's the thing. Like, did this did this expose any weaknesses or rip the scab off some wounds? Like the fact that you know the Eagles' defensive line could make hay against this 49ers' interior. I don't think there's any doubt about that. And I do wonder if at some point, 
like Kyle Shanahan's Achilles heel. Like Kyle Shanahan has always been of the mind, like you invest in tackles, you invest in a center, and then you just sort of make it work at guard. That's sort of mm-hmm. always been his ethos. Um, and then you see in big moments, particularly in the playoffs, the interior of the offensive line get dominated in the fourth quarter of games, whether it's Chris Jones or Aaron Donald or whatever. Mm-hmm. At some point, is is this going to have to be like, no, we need to go get an ass-kicking guard early in the draft? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, is it yeah. – do, do we have to go pay – you know, do we keep Lake and Tomlinson instead what, of letting right. him walk? Right? right. Like I, I just wonder if, if what we saw today was an indication that they're going to eventually have to change their thinking on, on the way they approach the interior of the offensive line. I agree because the, the and we talked about this before the year, the fact that they just handed the jobs to Burford and McIvitz was shocking. No competition for either one. But who, they were the like, who do they have? Who who do they have that you'd be like, okay, that guy needs to be in the mix for the starting spot? Because I don't know. That maybe they somebody, anybody. maybe somebody that they had drafted with the 99th pick. <laughs> Fair. I'm not saying I'm not saying they for sure could have found somebody better. But the that's fact a good that, take. That's a very good take. <laughs> thank you. So, <laughs> so it, I'm not saying they definitely would have found someone better because maybe they wouldn't have. And if Matt Pryor had just been awesome, then they would have given him some first team reps or whatever. But they didn't even try. They didn't yeah. try and find. They brought in zero competition at those spots, and that's that's okay when it's Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw, your linebackers. So you're not going to bring in any real competition for for those guys. But when it's Colton McKivitz and Spencer Burford, those are just your guys. And Matt Pryor and John Feliciano are going to be your two. Your your main competition for them, but it's not really competition because John Feliciano yeah. is your backup center. I just, it doesn't it. Right, I I don't know. You, Daniel Brunsko would help today a little bit. Maybe I totally agree. I totally Danny agree. Shouts to Danny Bruns. Um, what's Justin School up to? Ooh, great question. Do you think Do you think <laughs> Nick Zakel just sits on the sideline during a game like this and fumes? It's like that should be in there. <laughs> That should be me getting my ass kicked. He's, like just, he's, just, he's just walking. He's just like pacing around the sideline, just walking behind Chris Forster. Like, wow, 74 is having a tough day. <laughs> oh, wow. 74 got beat again. Oh, what was, who was the penalty on? Who was that on? 74. Oh, oh, wow. Oh, okay. Okay. No. Oh, Spayberf again. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Yikes. Um, the four, the sky's not falling. That's my, that's my big day. I got to watch. I got to watch it again. To the the sky's not falling for sure, but it was um, tough way. Tough way to snap your 15 game winning streak. Yeah, that's, lose to that's PJ Walker. Sure. Uh, this is probably a conversation for a midweek pod, but talking right. about potentially making upgrades along the offensive line. I know the 49ers created all that cap space, mm-hmm. um, but it would be so. Basically, if you if you believe Spotrack, and which I tend to do. Um, if you look at next year's payroll, they basically created all the cap space so they can roll it over. So then their effective cap is at like 280 million instead of the projected 240. Right. They're right up against the 280 already. So like, yeah, they have, they have the ability to make some, make some more additions, potentially high priced ones this year, but it's going to come at a cost next year because they created all that cap space, restructured all those guys, 
to roll over the cash so they can get up to 280 next year in overall effective cap which they can actually like which they're already at right now so it was almost a necessity for them to do that based on how the payroll is looking so like it, it might be i know it's been talked about that like oh they have all this flexibility it might not be as easy as like oh they have 40 million in cap space and they can just go get a 15 to 20 million dollar player if they want to like i don't right you know that's going to come at a cost and everything again like creating cap room I think the the great the the right way to look at it is like using a credit card. Like, yeah, you can you can put it on your you can buy something and put it on your credit card and not and pay it off over time. But it's some like it's all going to come due. And right. so you you create anyway. Uh, that's that's this is a midweek pod discussion. But as I say, this feels real midweeky. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I just don't know if they're if it's going to be as easy as, as maybe it, it looks initially for them to just go get and somebody to like really solidify the offensive line or some high price player, it's some other spot. But at the same time, if they think that's what they need to do to win the Super Bowl, they'll do it. Yeah. And then figure it out next year. But yeah, agreed. All right. Man, I want to go back. I, I'm going to go back and look and we'll talk about it more when we, when we record early in the week, but I really want to go back and look at that end of second half or end of second quarter play where PJ Walker, to me, it was a clear fumble. I agree. And I, I just don't know how you can rule that a pass. Like, yeah, I guess you can make a case in slow motion. That's a pass, but there's no way in real time as he's getting hit, he's thinking like, Oh yeah, I need to pass this. Like, and it looked like the ball just like he lost control of it. And then by way of getting tackled, his arm sort of moved, but even still, it didn't look like it, the ball went forward, which makes it a yeah. lateral, which makes it a live ball. Anyway, I totally agree. Anything else? I got nothing else, bro. Nothing else? Yeah, um, it was just ugly. It's ugly. It's always going to be ugly. It, it, You know, that weather, that team, it always felt like it was going to be an ugly game, but you thought the 49ers would just... It was, it was a tough... It was... You knew it was going to be bad when in the first 15 minutes you had Trent Williams limping off and Debo Samuel getting to the medical tent. It was like, oh, it's going to be one of those games. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah, so. We'll see we'll see how much impact this has long term when Shanahan talks on Monday, he'll have a conference call with reporters and at that point we'll learn more about where McCaffrey and Samuel and Trent Williams are at. Yep. My take my early take, if those guys are all gonna miss a lot of time, it's gonna be tough for the forty ers yeah. I'm ready to say that. Mm. Going out on a limb, huh? Yeah. Look at Arizona right. up on the Rams late in the second quarter. Wow. All right. Anything else? No. Nope. We done? We're done. Very good. We will talk to you guys later in the week. And, uh, yeah, subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't. Um, we very much appreciate the support as we stream and, and dive deeper into that. Uh, five-star reviews on all the platforms where you listen to this podcast. Obviously much appreciated. And we will, uh, yeah, one, one more, one more note before getting out here. Started getting Atlanta last season vibes. I couldn't agree more. Um, the thing with that Falcons game was they couldn't stop the run at all. They just couldn't set the edges and they didn't stop the run at all today. So I think stopping the run on the road is, is important for this team. Nick Bosa was out of that one on the other side this week. Like, if Debo Samuel and Christian McCaffrey are healthy for that whole game, I think the Niners win. 
Like they yeah. figure out a way to piece together enough offense to win. Yeah. But injuries happen in the NFL, so gotta work around it. Alright. I'm out. Yep. See you guys later. Kyle, get home safely. And, Got the uh, six hour we'll drive ahead. Let's go. We'll, we'll talk to you guys later in the movie. Party time.